you'll do okay. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi is the very last book in your Old Testament. Malachi chapter 1. We'll read the first, ver- first five verses and get right into the message tonight. Malachi chapter 1. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Let's all stand together if you would. You read along silently as I read aloud. First five verses of Malachi chapter 1 says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. And I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see me, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon this time together as we look into your word. And God, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to, to see uh, ourselves in Scripture. Help us to be able to personalize the word of God tonight uh, in the respect that as it was written to Israel many, many years ago, let it be, let it be written to us tonight. And Father... As we see ourselves in Scripture, help us to respond. Help us, Lord, to, to be able to connect biblical principles with our personal lives that we might see things that need to be corrected and uh, take care of them and there, thereby uh, honor and glorify our Savior. We love you. We're so thankful that you are our God and our Savior. We're so thankful for the salvation that we have freely in Jesus Christ. Bless this time together. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi, the, the name means messenger, means my messenger. And of course, he was God's messenger. He was the last of the, the writing prophets of the Old Testament. And he wrote nothing about himself. You, you, you cannot read the book of Malachi and get a whole lot of anything about Malachi himself. Uh, we don't know really anything about him other than the fact that he wrote a book, and it was the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, he, he wrote the last book to God's people. This is not written to the world. This is not written to the lost. This is written to the people of God in the Old Testament. And the conditions under which he wrote this scripture are very similar to the conditions that, that you see today. Uh, for instance, they were at that time in a troubled economy. Well, guess what? <laughs> so are we. We're in a troubled economy right now. Uh, this last week, they said we had uh, inflation as high now as 9%, over 9% uh, inflation. Uh, things are not going in the right direction econ- economically. Uh, there was intermarriage with the heathen, and, and that's speaking of God's people marrying lost people 
and, and uh, uh, taking on their ways, and we see that kind of thing going on today. Defilement of the priesthood. Uh, we find that uh, uh, people do not think of the pastorate like they used to think, say, 50 years ago. Um, if you look in chapter 3 and verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5, it says, I will come near to you. And this tells you a little bit about what was going on during the time. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers, the people that say they're going to do one thing and then do another, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his, from his right and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. You see all those things going on today. The fear of the Lord is just is something that is, is uh, in fact, we were, I was talking to one of our men here, just uh, maybe a couple of our men this last week. And you used to hear people say, even, even with, with people that weren't necessarily saved people, that they had a, you know, they were, they were God-fearing people. And that was a, that was a common saying uh, that I heard often growing up. You don't hear that anymore. You don't hear that anymore because it's not the case. There's not very many God-fearing people out there. There was a, a lack of support for the house of God, the temple, uh, back during that time. And there was just a general disdain uh, toward religion. And we see that attitude today. The sins of God's people uh, before the Lord Jesus Christ came in his first advent, when he came to this earth, uh, are very similar to that which, with which we're struggling with today. And uh, uh, Malachi was written years before. There were 400 silent years be between the, the, the last revelation that God gave and then the, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to this earth. Uh, but, but this was basically the, the situation and the, the, the scenario when Jesus came to the earth. The, the sins of the saints, and that's what I'm going to be preaching on tonight. It's just simple, simple message, the sins of the saints. But he addresses, he addresses some specific sins. And these sins are sins that we need to understand that if the people in the Old Testament, people just before the coming of Jesus Christ the first time, were susceptible to those sins, then we are too. And just as he was trying to warn them back then and, 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 and get their attention on the fact that they were heading in the wrong direction, we need to realize that we're susceptible too. Um, you know, I was, I, was, I was looking at this message and, and just looking at the points that, that I found as I was going through the scriptures. And, uh, you know, I said, Lord, uh, this isn't, you know, this isn't, I'm not preaching on things that I think are huge problems in our church. Uh, no, they aren't, but they could be. And understand that it, it always starts, it never starts with a huge turn, it doesn't usually anyway, with a huge turn toward that which is wrong. It starts with just incremental turns. And that's what happened to Israel. Israel, step by step by step, just started to go in the wrong direction. And I'd certainly like to, to stop any and all of us from even taking that first step in the wrong direction. So we're going to take a look at four sins of the saints that, 
uh, are addressed in the, in the book of Malachi. And if you look at the first one with me in chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Now understand, this is God's people. God's people are saying to God, really? Really? You say you love, you, you love us? How, how have you loved us? Um, what they're doing there is they're questioning the love of God. And that's something that's easy for any child of God to do, depending upon the circumstance and the situation that you might be in at the moment. These people had a, had a lack of love for God. And when Jesus was on the earth, he said that the great commandment was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. This is the, the first and great commandment. Uh, that's something we have to guard on a continual basis because there are so many things that vie for our affections and vie for that first place if we're not careful. And just like what the kid's just saying, you know, we're weak, but he's strong. But understand, we're weak, okay? So it's easy for us to, to, to go in that direction. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, when God was addressing the seven churches, first church that he addressed was a church at Ephesus. And the first sin that he addressed to those seven churches was, was the sin of leaving their first love. And that doesn't mean that they, they didn't love God. It just means that, that he wasn't first anymore. He wasn't first anymore. And, and uh, oh, when confronting the churches, this is the, 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 uh, the first sin that he addressed was the sin of leaving their first love. Um, if you start to doubt in any way, shape, manner, or form, you start to doubt whether or not God loves you, either generally speaking or in a particular area, your love for him will begin to falter and begin to shake. Um, there are some ways that God showed his love to Israel that he, where he made it very plain and very clear to him that he loved them. In, in uh, verse 2, he says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. First way he showed his love to Israel was he told them. He told them that he loved them. And over and over again, this is one of the reasons why it's so important to get into your Bible daily. Spend time in the Word of God. Because over and over again, God will reiterate to you and will reiterate to me that he loves us. There, there are going to be things that are going to come into your life that are going to be hard to explain. Uh, you've heard the old adage, and you can, you can attach it to whatever, whatever situation or circumstance you'd like to. How could a loving God allow, and then you just fill in the blank. Well, the truth of the matter is, not only do lost people ask that question, but sometimes even us as God's people ask that question. And the, the truth of the matter is, God does love us. Uh, circumstances do, do not determine his love. The fact that his, his character is consistent is what determines his love. And God told us over and over again that, that he loves us. And the reason why we love him, the Bible says we love him. In 1 John 5, 19, we love him because he first loved us. If you start to doubt that love in, in any iota, 
then your love also is in jeopardy. So the first thing, the first way that he showed his love to Israel was he told them. Secondly, he proved his love repeatedly. Uh, remember how Israel treated God. Uh, they disdained him. I mean, they, they tried his patience over and over and over again, not only in the wilderness when they first came out of Egypt, but even after that, when he had, when he had proved himself time and time and time again to Israel. And the truth of the matter is, if you've been saved for any amount of time at all, God has proved his love and his care for you over and over and over again. And yet there is that tendency sometimes for us to doubt it. There's, there's, there's really, you know, you, you, look at, you look at yourself. You know you better than others know you. You know what goes on in the, in the innermost depths of your heart. But so does God. And in spite of what's there, he still loves you. He still cares for you. Now keep your finger here in Malachi and turn back to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7. I like this passage because of what he said to Israel, but it's really true of you and me as well. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses, verses 6 through 8. He's preparing them to go into the, into the promised land to, to conquer the land for him. And in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 7, he says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than any people. For ye are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the, the house of bondmen from the, the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Basically what he's saying this is he's saying he, he didn't, he didn't love you because of anything great about you. He loved you because of the greatness of himself, and he chose to love you. Uh, you're loved of God because God chose to love you. Don't, don't doubt his love because he's proved it in your life over and over and over again. Of course, the first and greatest place where he proved it is where he forgave you of all your sins and gave you eternal life if you're saved. The third way that he showed his love to Israel is, is he blessed Israel. And he did so by protecting them and providing for them over and over and over again. One of the, one of the blessings of being married for 50 years is not, not only uh, the relationship that my wife and I have with each other, but the relationship that we have developed with our God and what we have seen God do for us over 50 years. Um, his hand is plain in our lives. I mean, just as plain as can be. And we have watched God provide and lead and guide and protect and direct over and over and over again. And all that does is just prove how much he loves us because he blesses us. Uh, another thing that God did was that he used Israel to magnify his name. And, and uh, he used Israel to, to prove his greatness, not Israel's greatness, but his greatness. And he does that with us. He's called us to be witnesses. 
He's called us to, to proclaim his name to others. And he uses us in that way as his witness, and he does that because he loves us. And the last thing that he did, and this is the one we don't like to think about too much, but it's true, and it's, and it's good, really. It's an assurance. Um, he chastened them when they went astray. And, uh, you know, we're studying right now on Wednesday nights, we're, we're studying Hosea, the book of Hosea. And Hosea really primarily is because of Israel's uh, spiritual adultery. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a book of judgment, a warning of the fact that judgment is coming. There is, there is chastening that's coming down the pipe. But it's not because God did not love Israel. It's because God did love Israel. And one of the ways that he proved his love to Israel is by chastening Israel when Israel went astray. Uh, book of Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, we just kind of touched on it this morning, but it talks about chastening. It says, he whom he loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And one of the ways that he proves his love to us is, is by, uh, by, by bringing chastening into our lives. He is back on the straight and narrow because he loves us, because he cares for us. The second, the, the second uh, sin that he brings to Israel's attention Back over in Malachi chapter 1, look at verses 6 through 8. In verse 6, it says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? It says that, that they despised his name. How did they despise his name? Well, according to verses 7 and 8, they did so by offering that which was less than the best to their God. Uh, it, it isn't that they stopped sacrificing. It isn't that they, they discontinued giving to God. They just brought it down a few notches. And one of the ways that we can, we can fall into sin oftentimes is by despising his name. And we, we don't think of it that way. But despising his name is simply not giving God what he deserves. And what he deserves is our very best. He deserves everything that we have. Uh, keep your finger here and go with me to uh, Romans chapter 12. And this is the, the basis of the plea that the Apostle Paul makes in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He has just thoroughly explained salvation in the first 11 chapters. Boy, you want a, you want a good book uh, for the understanding of what salvation is and how we receive God's imputed righteousness. Uh, that's the book of Romans. But after he presents salvation in all of its aspects. In chapter 12, he begins like this in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What he's saying is, is he's saying that based upon all that God has done for us and how good he's been to us and how, how he saved our soul from hell and imputed his righteousness to us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you hold nothing back. <laughs> you give it all to him. Uh, you don't get conformed to this world, but you're transformed instead. If you go back with me to Malachi 1, look down in verse 13. It says, ye said, behold, what a weariness it is. It, or, excuse me, is it? And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and he brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye, ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hands, saith the Lord. I want you to notice how the, the, the wrong offering started. It didn't start with the wrong offering. It started with the wrong attitude. The wrong attitude was, what a weariness this is. We are warned in the New Testament, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. The, the problem is not the circumstances that are at hand, the things that we're up against. It's the condition of our heart. That's the thing that is the most important. Uh, we've got, a, we, we've got a, 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 couple of, a couple of weeks, starting this week, where many of our people are going to be taxed to the max. And I understand that. Uh, we didn't necessarily plan it that way, but that's just, that's just the way it worked. You know, one of the things that will help you get through these next two weeks and any other times when, when really you're, you feel like you're, you're pressed beyond measure and it just seems to be more on your plate than you can handle, just simply ask yourself this one question. Is he worth it? You know, you're not doing it. You're not doing it for this person or that person or for our ministry or for, for whatever. You're doing it for him. Uh, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And if you're, if you're not careful, uh, your weariness, your frustrations, your, your uh, you know, being, being uh, at your wit's end, so to speak, will cause you to give less than your best. It may not, it may not uh, have to do with physical sacrifices. It may not have to do with physical giving, uh, but, but, but it just may have to do with just giving your all for God. And that's why he says, be not weary in well-doing. We, we carry the, the reputation of the name of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. When people see us, you know, uh, they can't see Jesus. But they can see Jesus Christ in us. And it is important that we, we keep the, the right attitude in all that we do. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever you do, it doesn't make any difference what it is, doesn't make any difference how menial of a task it may be, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So they, they despise his name, and they despise his name by simply just not giving him their very best. The third thing that they did, go to Malachi chapter 2 and look in verse 17. 
Malachi 2.17. You have worried the Lord with your words. Yet you say, wherein have we worried him? When you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? Now it says that they wearied him with their words. They called those that are evil good. And they also, they also questioned God's justice. Um, we often find ourselves taking on the world's ways and the world's values. Um, secular humanism, I believe, has affected us a whole lot more than what we realize and has affected our thinking a whole lot more than what we realize. And we need to be very, very careful of what we call good and, and what we put our stamp of approval on. Um, we also need to be very careful of questioning God's judgments, when they, particularly when they come into our lives or in the lives of those that we love. Um, his, his judgments are always true, and they're always righteous altogether, according to Psalm 19, verse 9. Um, you know, we, we just need to be very, very careful and, and, and realize that God does what he does for a reason and it's always within the parameters of his character. And we need to realize that we need to look at things the way God looks at things. Um, I, I'm convinced of this, for instance. Uh, the, more, the more you and I hate evil, the easier it is to stay away from it. The more we tolerate evil the easier it is for it to come into our lives. And we need to, to be careful of those things. Um, I have heard, I've heard God's people, uh, saved people, make statements like this. God is okay with me doing what I want because he has given me liberty in Christ. Be careful. Uh, understand that liberty in Christ is not given to us in order to do what we want. But liberty in Christ is given to us to do what we should and what is right and what is true and, and, and what is good. Uh, those are the things that we ought to do. Uh, God is not okay with us doing everything that we want because we don't always want the right things. We need to agree with his judgments, and we need to agree with what he calls evil, that it is evil, and what he calls good is good. And these people were, were, were becoming tolerant of evil, and they were flipping some things around and questioning the judgments of God. And then the, the last thing that he, that he pointed out was a sin that they struggled with. If you look in Malachi chapter 3, Look down at verses 7 and 8. Malachi 3, 7 and 8. It says, Even from the days of your fathers, ye, have, ye are gone astray from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. It says that they did two things, and, and sometimes we, we forget the first one, and we just, 
spend our time looking at the second one. The second one is it says they robbed God and they robbed God of tithes and offerings. But why did they rob God? Well, they robbed God because they first left him. They left him, though they were still outwardly doing the sacrifices, they were still outwardly going through all the motions. But their heart had left. And then the next step was that they, they, they stole from God by withholding tithes and offerings. The, the Bible makes it very, very clear. The tithe is the Lord's. And that we have a responsibility also above the tithe, according to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, to, uh, to support other ministries and, and uh, people doing right and being a, a blessing, and particularly in the area of missions. But understand that, that, that leaving God and then pulling back financially, uh, those two things are connected. We can leave, leave God and still hold the same posts and retain the same geographic location. We keep our outward appearance looking right, but on the inside, we've started to drift from the Lord. And when you leave God, so to speak, so, so does, so does your, your desires and so does your wallet. I, I've watched this over the years. Uh, I've, I've seen people who have struggled within a church, and in a good church, and, and uh, eventually they, they go ahead and they, they leave. But long before their body left, their wallet left. I, I, I've seen it happen here. I've seen it happen in, really in every, every ministry that I've been connected with. Uh, when, when your heart starts to leave, so will your treasure. And why is that? Well, because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and it really is true. Your heart and your treasure are connected. And, and uh, withholding tithes and offerings is, is uh, really kind of holding a gun to God's head and, and robbing him. Um, I, 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 you know, that's one thing that I got early in my Christian life was that uh, I needed to be faithful in tithes and offerings because I didn't want to be unfaithful to a God who had, who had done so much for me and had saved my soul and been so good to me and taken such good care of me. Uh, and you look at the blessings that God promises. To me, this, this thing is absolutely amazing. We just read uh, verses 8 and 9. Look with me down in verses 10 through 12. Now, he's told them that they've robbed God. He's told them that, actually, first of all, they left God. They left God, and then they robbed God. And like I said, it's always in, in that order. Your heart leaves first, and then your wallet. But look in verses 10 through, 10 through 12. Look what he promises to these people. And, and these are promises I believe we can claim as well. He says, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, 
For ye shall be a, a, de, a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now he says, he starts out and he says, if you give tithes and offerings, if you just do what you're supposed to do, understand, tithe isn't yours anyway. Uh, 10% of all that, that uh, your increase belongs to God. So all you're doing is returning it back to him. And yet, what does he say he'll do? He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing like you can't even receive. Wow. For what? For just doing what I was told to do. Wow. I'll tell you what, that's a good God. <laughs> Amen? That's a good God. That's a wonderful God. That's a gracious God who will, who will pour out the blessings of heaven upon me if I just do what he told me to do in the first place. And, 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 and God makes it very, very plain and very clear that uh, if we would just obey him, uh, he, will, he will give us blessings like, like we would not believe. These are, these are four, and this is, this is really kind of a simple message, but these are four areas where all of us have a tendency, if we're not careful, to fall into. Four sins. First one was questioning God's love. I don't, know of, I don't know of anybody who hasn't at one time or another done that. But that is dangerous territory to be walking on. Don't question the love of God. God has proved himself over and over again. And when you start, when you start to question his love, just remember Calvary. Just remember what he did for you when he died on that cross. And he took all that sin that did not belong to him. And he paid for it. He paid for every single sin that you ever did or would commit. Secondly, uh, be careful of despising his name. Uh, offering him less than your best. Boy, that's an easy one to fall into. And we fall into that when we get weary and well-doing. And then the third one was, was uh, God getting weary with our words. And sometimes I think God gets weary with us. We say one thing and we do another. We, we, uh, we, we uh, agree with things that maybe we shouldn't agree with. We allow things to come into our lives that shouldn't be there. And we question sometimes the justice of God, whether it be in our lives or in the lives of others. And then last of all is uh, leaving God and robbing him. And, you know, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching this because we're, we're having financial problems at church because we're not. Uh, you folks have been very, very faithful uh, in the area of giving. But be careful, because it's easy to start to drift from God. And that's where it starts. It doesn't really start with, with withholding that which belongs to God, but it starts with our hearts leaving him. Just like the folks of Israel had these tendencies, and of course these tendencies had blown up and had gotten worse and worse, we're living in these kind of days and understand that we have those same temptations to go in that same direction. And we need to be on guard at all times. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you might get our attention tonight. And you might help us connect the dots tonight. If there's any area in our life where we seem to be drifting into one of these four areas. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to see it. And then, Lord, determine to set that thing straight to repent and to go in the, in the opposite direction. Uh, Lord, uh, 
book of Malachi is really a book of love because you got a hold of, of Israel and told Israel where it was heading and what it was doing. But you reiterated again how much you love them. You reiterated again how much you desired to bless them. And just as you loved them and just as you had an overwhelming desire to bless them, you have that same attitude toward us. And we're so thankful for that. Help us to not forget it. We pray, Lord, that you would work in this invitation, work in our hearts. And as you show us things tonight, help us to respond. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen.